Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) I have to um, give a disclaimer uh, uh, for the potentials of what might happen during this message this morning because uh, it's been interesting how um, the morning has gone. And let me just share uh, one little item with you. And when I came in before, I always do a sound check on the microphone and because, and, you know, we've learned that when I get up here, that's not the time to do a sound check. So I said, Todd, let's do a sound check. So I got, the, got a hold of the little thing on, the, on my side here and I pushed the green button and nothing. Todd didn't have anything. And so, oh, gosh, then Todd stands up immediately, you know, starts technology. And, and, uh, and then he's, he's over there and I look, at, I look at the thing on the side and I'm holding it and... There's no cord attached to it. It's just, it's in my pocket. It's that, you know, I slid it down my back, put it in my pocket. Thought, I think I found a problem. And, uh, <clears throat> and then um, <clears throat> I went in the office before I came in here, and, and um, John and Kathy, they, they told me about a, some cake they'd made during the week, and I like cake, even though I'm trying to lose weight. Well, they, John asked me when I walked in the door, did you see any goodies, the goodies outside your office? Well, I hadn't got that far yet. So I finally got down there, and I picked up my Bible and picked up these pieces of paper with some notes on it and um, came out, and I looked at that stuff. John and Kathy laid there, and I put my Bible down, and I, thought, I opened a little, oh, there's the cake. Ah, good. And then I closed it up, went back in the office looking for the Bible, well, I'd left it in the hallway. <clears throat> so whatever happens this morning happens, right? Um, God is a God that knows all those things. Anyway, so um, the title of this morning's message is very similar to last week's, The Breastplate of Righteousness, but this is part two, so that's the title. Breastplate of Righteousness, part two. And we're looking at this because Paul, in the end of his letter to the Ephesians, had told the church that they need to be finally strong in the Lord and in the power of his might or in his mighty power. And we as a church, we need to put on the full armor of God. And why? Because he says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we might be able to stand against the devil's schemes. A lot of times in, in the church itself, we, we don't necessarily even want to hear about the, the devil and the devil schemes and the demonic, and, and we also don't want to get carried away, and that's all we talk about. And yet, if we go to the movie theater, there, especially when you get around Halloween, there is all sorts of terrible demonic uh, movies that... I would not even want to watch. I mean, just seeing the commercial on them is disturbing. So obviously the world believes in that stuff, and we ought to too because it is real if it's addressed in the Bible and there are schemes to try to detract us from our, our relationship with Christ because he hates Christ, he hates God. And uh, when we commit our lives to him, uh, God wants to protect us from him. And then Paul is telling us, this is how we do it. Because he says in verse 12 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
Sometimes, even in a marriage relationship, the battle isn't the wife or the husband. It's spiritual forces trying to disturb the relationship between husband and wife, or relationships at work, or friendships. It's spiritual rulers. It's against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, he says, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he says, verse 13, that we're to put on the full armor of God, not just part of it, not a piece of it, the full. You better be totally covered because if they find a crack, they'll slide right in. They'll shoot an arrow right in there. So that when the day of evil comes, and we talked about that, when the day of evil comes, it's not like it's constant. The devil's smart enough to know to back off and let you relax and maybe start taking off some of that armor and not be so concerned about it. And then, boom, he slides right in there. And then, we're at, then we know we're at war, but we're wounded. <clears throat> so he said, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And then after you've done everything, to stand. And then he tells us how to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's the truth of God, all the truth of God, the, the living and active word of God. Uh, it's not just to be studying the Bible to have knowledge of the Bible, it's to get into the Bible to know the one that wrote the Bible, the Lord himself, to know Christ, to have Christ in you, the hope of glory, it says in Colossians, and have that around your waist because that holds everything else together. And then put on the breastplate of righteousness, put it in place. And that's what we're looking at today, again, part two, Next week, we'll look at having our feet shotted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We'll look at that. But today, this breastplate of righteousness, what does this mean? He's trying to give us a practical illustration, you know, picturing Paul there writing this letter in Rome, chained between two soldiers. And he said, I'm chained, but the word of God's not chained. It's not bound. I'm bound, but that's word of God isn't. And he's looking at these soldiers the way they dress, and he's, then he's giving us an illustration how to, how to arm ourselves with, with the armor uh, in spiritual matters. And one thing we looked at last week was this word called imputed righteousness. Now, there can be things, oh, gosh, this day and age, you know, what are you doing using that term? I mean, let's not use the term. Well, why not use the term and then explain what that term means? Why, why not explain what imputed righteousness means? And so I got a few notes on what imputed righteousness needs, means. And then today we're going to look at what imparted righteousness means. That's part two, imputed and imparted. But imputed first. Let, me, let us pray and just ask God, wherever you're at right now, just to know that God wants to come and guard your heart, but then he also wants to come and fill your heart with all his righteousness and all his love. That's God's goal, and the devil's goal is to discourage you from all that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need your Holy Spirit to come. And we need an understanding of this, Lord, these things, these spiritual things, so that when the day of evil does come, we may be able to stand our ground. And after we've done everything, to stand, and, and how to stand firm, and how to put this on, and what it means Father, we need to know. We want to know. I want to know. And Lord, we're not going to know everything. There's just is so deep and it's so wide and broad. But that's the way your love is. 
And Lord, if we can just get a, a part of an understanding and put the equipment on the best way we can, the best way we know how, the best way that the way you'll show us, you will, by because of that faith, entrusting you in that, you'll just cover us and protect us because that's the kind of God you are. So come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us, Lord. Every one of us has come in this place from different situations and backgrounds, but we need to hear, we want to hear from you. That's why we're here. So, Father, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the difference, the imputed or imparted righteousness. The Bible talks about justification by faith, right? being justified by faith. And it, that, what's that, what that means is imputed righteousness. And in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God had made him to be sin for us. This is the scriptural basis of this imputed righteousness. God had made him to be sin for us. That's Jesus, who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. And in other words, God took our sins, he took our sins, because we are sinful. I mean, let's just face it. I mean, <laughs> if, if, well, maybe you're in here saying, I'm not. Well, I think God will have a way of showing you that you are. But the devil wants you to live there, whereas God wants you to live knowing that sin has been dealt with and that you can be, be, you can be free from that. So God took our sins, and this is the way this word imputed comes, and he imputed them to his son. He took what was ours and he put them on his son. He put them on him, put them to his account. Imputation is where you take something that belongs to one person and you put it to the account of another. And that's where God imputes our sins to his son. He's punished those sins in him. Remember Isaiah 53 said, we're looking at Jesus and looking at him dying on the cross, bruised for our iniquities. We were thinking God was, what was what God doing? Well, he was punishing his son for what we should be punished for. That's the whole message of the cross. This gospel is good news. It's good news that Jesus bore our sin. Our sin was imputed on him, given to him, and he bore it gladly. Gladly, he did it. That's why he came. And our salvation, our salvation by imputed righteousness means that Christ's perfect righteousness is put to my account. So impute, the word imputed means our sin was given to Christ and laid on Christ, and then Christ's righteousness, when we come to trust in him and believe in him, is imputed to us. It's given to us as a gift when we put our faith in Christ. Perfect righteousness is put to my account, imputed to me, put upon me by God. And when he looks at me, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, God, when he looks at you, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, God pronounces you a just Man or woman or young person. A righteous person. And the law cannot touch you. The law that the Bible talks about. No one can keep the law. Jesus didn't abolish it, but he fulfilled it by the cross. 
And when we come to Christ, when that whole idea of our sins imputed to him and his righteousness imputed to us, then we can claim this Romans 8.1 where it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We're covered by his perfect, spotless righteousness of the Son of God himself. And what we have in essence when we put on, that's what we have in essence when we put on the breastplate of righteousness. That is something, that is something to celebrate. And that's where Philippians 3.9, we read this last week, I'll read it again. Where, where Paul says that his whole goal was he wanted to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of his own from the law, but one that was, is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that's based on our faith. And he said his goal is to know Christ and the power of Christ's resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, that he would be conformed to Christ in his death, but also conformed to Christ in his resurrected life. And he's assuming, Paul says, I assume that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. The breastplate of righteousness. This whole thing refers to the righteousness which is from God. It is from God. It's made and prepared by God. It's given to us by God. It's his divine justice. It's a divine approval. They probably can't hear that on the video, but um, that's a nice phone ring. I like that. Our righteousness, the Bible tells us, is just like filthy rags, but his righteousness is perfect. Don't you want to have that righteousness in you? So last week when we were looking at this whole idea of we have this imputed righteousness, that, in essence, is like Christ. Is, is, we have been justified in Christ. We have been declared righteous. See, Christ looks at you when you come to him in faith, and he says, when you're wearing that breastplate of righteousness, which is given to you by God, imputed to you, he looks at you and he sees, he sees Christ's perfectness. And so imputed righteousness is that where God looks and he says, you declared righteous? You're righteous? And, and, and uh, the law doesn't, doesn't affect you. But when we want to look at it, what we want to look at today is the whole idea of imparted righteousness. Imparted righteousness is where what God declares you to be, you, you start to become inside in your being, inside of you, in your mind, in your heart. You begin to see, like he comes like a surgeon and begins to, on the, on, the, on the declaration is, you have a new heart. On the imparted side, he's doing heart surgery. He, is, he wants to do heart surgery, mind-changing. That's what he wants to do. So, uh, when we look at uh, the idea of be, uh, Christ's righteousness being imparted to us, it, it's also 
can be referred to as being infused in us. When, when you have, a, when you have a, a blood transfusion, I don't know how many of you had a blood transfusion. I had blood transfusion when I was a two-year-old uh, child, when I had a cleft lip, uh, cleft palate surgery. I lost a lot of blood, apparently, and I had to have blood. I had somebody else's blood infused in me. And impartation and imp- the, the imputed righteousness, the imparted righteousness is an infusion of Christ's very nature into your system. Just like a blood transfusion is when you need blood after losing a lot in surgery. It's somebody else's. And it matches, Christ's blood matches ours because his righteousness, his perfect righteousness has been imputed to us. And so there's not a rejection. You don't reject it because, it, because it's his, his blood for his children and you're his child because you've been declared his child. Imputed, imparted. Basically, it's what God does in Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. After the justification, and it works in you as Christians to enable and empower the process of what's called sanctification, which is a total dedication of yourself to God and God's total dedication of himself to you. Imparted, infused, injected, infused in you. John Wesley, you've probably heard of him. He, he believed in this and he, he saw it in Scripture, but he could not explain it. He, and, and I stand up here like John Wesley. This isn't necessarily, it's not an explainable thing in, in a way. Scripture describes it, Scripture explains, but the actual process, the actual the actual infusion of Christ into me and into you. He, 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 he does what he does with you because he knows you, and then he does with me because he knows me, but the whole goal is to infuse himself into us, himself into you. It's done in various ways. Sometimes just by sitting silently before the Lord, Sometimes when you sit in silence in the morning, some of you do your devotions, a devotional time in the morning, and, and, and you sit quietly with him, and, 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 uh, and then he begins to infuse into you the Christ's love, and all of a sudden he, you, you, you know something's happening, and you may find yourself weeping, and you don't know why. Because what it is is Christ's love is starting to overwhelm you. Several years ago, I was, I was leaving, uh, I'd gone to a hot springs and, uh, in Montana, and I was driving home, and it's, it's a good distance. It's about a 20-mile drive from where we lived, and there's, a, there's one stretch of road where you come down this valley. It's just an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful valley, and, and the only thing there is, is, is cattle out in the field or, or a wheat field, you know? And I'm coming down that hill... And I have the music on in the car. 
the old hymns. And all of a sudden, I had to pull over because, because I just got a sense of such forgiveness from God, such love from him. And, and that, that was that, at that moment, it was so powerful. I had to pull over. I, I had to sit there. I, I mean, it was one of those snot coming out of your nose kind of cries where God is moving and pouring himself into me. That's his imparted righteousness doing what he's imputed to me. Declaring me righteous, now making me righteous. That was a good day. Now, you can't have that happen 24 hours a day. I say that. I, I say that reverently. Because how would you get any work done? So he knows that. And then he'll hit you in moments and, 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 and come and just lavish his love on you. So it can come through a hymn. It can come through a worship song. As we sang the songs this morning, this is the air I breathe. Um, this, this week on Facebook, I've been watching one of our, our friends, uh, Jamie, out in Montana, and her children are growing, and, and her young daughter, who was just a little tiny girl, was the, was the uh, homecoming queen at the, little, at the football game in this little town. And I just, I was reminded of her because this is the air I breathe was a song where she would stand with her arms raised and weep. Because at a time of great need, God moved into her spirit and imparted his love into her through that song. This is the air I breathe. His holy presence, living, breathing inside of me. So it can come in a song. It can come when we open up scripture and we begin to look at scripture and all of a sudden, You've read these things before, but today, that day, this time, then God says, I want to reveal myself in this to you. In some way, that happened to me this week. I got up on the, when was the 12th? That was a, a Thursday, right? Was that Thursday? Thursday morning, the 12th. I don't know why. I, I just was, I was actually looking at, for today but I got into 2 Timothy and I started and I looked at verse 416. 2 Timothy 4.16 and on, and there's a few verses on. And I wrote these verses down in, in, in a, on a little sheet of paper just to keep a track of, of a devotion, like, a, like making a journal. And, and so here's the, here's the scriptures. Here's, here's the scriptures. It says, and I hope you see how this works with God's declared you righteous, and then life comes and hits you hard, hard, and in that, those hard hits, God then, as you submit to him and look to him, will begin to impart his love in you and his grace in you and his strength in you, and he'll, and he'll show you how much he cares about you. And here we are in 2 Timothy 4.16, and, and Paul writes this, and he's writing to a young man, Timothy, who had stomach issues. He was a nervous guy. And he's trying to encourage him to preach the gospel and not be afraid. And, and, and he's writing this when he's chained in Rome between soldiers. And he's all real close to his death. That's how, this is, this is who's writing this, see? But God's inspiring the writing. At my first defense, 
at my first defense. No one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Ever had that? Ever had that feeling? When you needed to be defended, you felt like I need to be defended in the things that I'm trying to do here, and everyone departs from you? No one came to your support? Everyone deserted me, he said. And then he says, may it not be held against them. Oh, man, can you see that imparted righteousness, that life of Christ been poured into Paul as he writes? But the Lord stood by my side, he says, and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. See, when God begins to impart it and infuse into you his nature, you can't help but speak about him because you are him, you're in. You're, 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 is Christ in you, the hope of glory? How can you not speak about what's in you? <laughs> He's changed you. People will say, what happened to you? I had a devotion and he infused into me his righteousness. His life showed me how to forgive. Showed me that Christ was my support. And then he says, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. You know, the devil is referred to as a roaring lion going around trying to look for someone to devour. That could be you. And I was delivered, he says. And verse, verse 18 says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Down at verse 22, he's closing out his letter. He says, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Yeah, that's an impartation of God. His, his, his presence and his grace with you. And so I started making a few notes. And I just started saying, what are you saying in here, Lord? What is this about? And, 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 and I, I wrote down, I said, first of all, abandonment. There's an abandonment issue in here. And how many of you have ever felt like you were abandoned? How many of you have had friends and family that you ministered to that were abandoned as little children? And the issues that occur from that. No one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. I, I, I as a child, struggled with, it, with abandonment. When I had to go to the hospital and have many, many surgeries, I've told you about some of this. And, and, and I was, because we live so far from Liverpool Hospital and distance in, in, in England and Wales, you'll hear all about it when Tim and Darla come back. A few miles over there is like going to Williston, you know, I mean, it takes you forever. And I saw my parents would have to take me to the hospital, leave me there for two weeks, three weeks. And I'm just a little child. And, 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 and I, I can still remember, I can still, I can st honestly, when I, when I go to a, uh, or sitting in a, a waiting room or, or a bus or traveling somewhere, and I hear a baby crying, I, I go back to the hospital ward because the babies were at the end of the ward in a separate room, all in cribs. And they'd oftentimes leave the door open so the nurses could hear the babies crying. And I would be in my bed feeling abandoned. 
feeling like, because when, when the visitation came, my parents weren't able to come that far. And parents would come in to visit their children, but not mine. And, 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 then, and then it says here, may it not be held against them. May, may, may the fact that, that no one came to, to your support, that everyone deserted you, may it not be held against them. I saw there just the aspect of forgiveness. I wrote down here forgiveness. That is one of the most difficult things to do. And, and we can be declared righteous in his sight, right? We, we can know where he's declared us righteous, but the impartation of that righteousness is unknown to us when we're, when, we're, when we're people living, feeling abandoned and feeling offended and not forgiving. And God says, I want to infuse into you the very nature of what I did on that cross. How I looked at them and I said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I died for the world. And so forgiveness. And then I saw, but the Lord stood by my side. Immediately, instantly into my mind came Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Oh, a meditation on Psalm 23 was just so rich. So in that meditation, I'm just sharing this to say, that is an infusion. You, you stick there, you want to get blood in your arm, you put it in your arm and you have to wait for it to drip in. And it takes a while. And that's what God wants to do with you. Sit with him for a while. Let him infuse his grace and his mercy and his righteousness into your soul, into your spirit. The Lord is your shepherd. But the Lord stood by my side and he gave me strength. Mm, I got to reference a couple of verses here, but uh, Psalm 118 is one of them. And uh, if you want to read that along with me, but you look at Psalm 118. Oh, come on, Lord, let me get the pages flipped. 118 verses 13 and 14, where he says, I, I was pushed back and I was about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. That's what he wants to do in you. He wants to pour his life into you. He wants to be your song. He wants to be your salvation. Maybe you'll be driving along like I was, and all of a sudden you have to pull over because he is your song, and he is your salvation, and he's imparting it, infusing it into you right there, and then and you just can't do nothing but sit there and receive it. Oh, yes, he is. In this letter to Ephesians, if you want to go just to a few verses, and we, we could stay here all day looking at these things, but just for the sake of today, look at, look at the Ephesians chapter 1, right at the very beginning, verse 3. This is titled over my Bible, Spiritual Blessings in Christ, infused into you, he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Yeah, you read that and go, eh. But when he begins to impart it to you, infuse it in you, in, 
imparted righteousness, infused righteousness, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Goes on to say that you might know, later on in the passage, that you might know the depth, the width, the height of the love of God. Oh, gosh. Ephesians 3.16 is another one, and I'll stop there because, and here it is, 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, (laughs) imputed, declared, imparted in your inner being. What? Strength and power through his spirit. In your being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you've been rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now I'm sure you're reading the next verse. Because it says, now to him who is able. Now, Mike might have been thinking that he was going to do that for a closing benediction. We could still do that too. Because it's to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. imparted righteousness, infused righteousness. It's all about Christ filling you up. Oh, yes. And I wrote a little note here by verse 17 that the Lord will use me. He'll use me. He'll use you. When when he is imputed his righteousness, declared you righteous, he can use you. And when he begins to impart his righteousness, you will want to be used by him. You'll want to. You'll want to declare it to those around you, to your neighbors, and invite them in and say, you've got to come and hear this. This is what Jesus has done, and he's done it in me, and he can do it in you. The Lord is my strength and my song. The Lord will use me. His message will be heard. Why will it be heard? Because it's a testimony. They overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's how the devil gets overcome. He's a done, he's dead, he's done, he's died. He's, oh yeah, but he's a roaring lion. He wants to take you out, but as long as you're clothed, he can't touch you. Why do I know that? Because verse 17 says he delivers from death. Going back to Timothy, 2 Timothy, he delivers from death. He rescues from every evil attack. I wrote there in the side note, he's my deliverer. He's my rescuer. And I feel delivered and rescued every time he infuses his righteousness in me. Don't you? You've had those times. You've had those moments. He's going to bring you safely home, he says here. He will bring me safely home. He is with me. His grace is with me. His grace is with you. He is with you. He will bring you safely home. He will infuse his love in you. Imparted righteousness is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
He will not leave you nor forsake you. The work that he began when he imputed his righteousness to you, he will see through to completion as he imparts his righteousness to you. And I pray that you're getting that sense that God is doing that in you. On Wednesday night, I mentioned Romans 8.28 that says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Isn't that good? Verse 31 says of Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> you, know, you get behind me, Satan, because Christ is infusing himself into me. I'm putting on that breastplate of righteousness. No, he says, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38 says, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And on Wednesday night, I had read where this one man said a better translation of know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Should be saying that we keep on, we keep on gloriously conquering. There. So when we leave here, we're going to keep on gloriously conquering. We're going to have the infusion of Christ into our very nature and it's going to be the Lord with your spirit and grace filling you up. Yes, he's imputed his righteousness. But oh man, the joy of having his righteousness imparted. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that today the message, Lord, would just be bathed in your love and your grace and your mercy and your truth. And Lord, that none of us would go from here with a sense that you're not with us that, that, that you will not defend us. We will go from here saying, you're my deliverer, you're my rescuer, you're my strength, you're my shepherd. You will not abandon me, nor you, you will help me to forgive when I need to forgive. You will deliver me from death. You will rescue me from every evil attack, and you will lead us safely home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.